I do think MER is important. I think if our MER was we were spending 100% of our revenue on ads, I would be worried, right? So taken to the extreme, it, it clearly tells you something, right? If we were spending 5% of our revenue on ads, I would say there's room, room to grow and scale. There's probably a decently healthy correlation between MER and, and net profit margin. So I, I do think it's important. It's it's not the only thing. It shouldn't be the only like a good MER doesn't mean you should spend more. A bad MER doesn't mean that that you you know that you are spending too much. However, it is one metric that can just kind of help guide you in the direction and show you the profitability. So I look at MER daily. Almost into the double digits, folks. Episode nine. We have Cody back. He has a little bit of a vacation hangover. Uh, how were the Bahamas? It was good. It was dope, but excited to be back with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to have you back. We had a Canadian fill in the shoes. Didn't do too too bad of a job. And then, as always, I have my PIC down here, Ash Melwani. Ash, how are you? Good, man. Good, good, good. Number nine. The guru himself. <laughs> kind of we got something crazy for episode 10. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe that'll be the drinking episode, the drunk episode or whatever. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, so we're going to do something a little bit different this episode. So Ash actually tossed out a thread that uh, caught some teeth. So there's some actually some really good questions in here. Um, so I'm just going to pepper the boys with the questions. We'll riff on the questions. This might be a shorter episode, but hey, you know, such as life, not everything needs to be a 75-minute banger. So if you guys are ready, I'll start, start it off. Let's do it. Okay, so first one, this is from Matthew Godazzi. I should actually know how to pronounce his name because he does the production of the show, which is, uh, I feel horrible now. Um, but the question is, strategy on organic content creation and content created to retain customers versus to get new ones. So retention versus acquisition, like your podcast and maybe other content that you have. Cody, we'll start with you and then Ash will run to you. Yeah, how do you see no, content in, in terms of acquisition versus retention play? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. I would I would say the one guy who got me thinking very differently about this, his name is Jake Cohen at Clavio. I don't know if you guys kind of know know him. He advises but us he's actually. oh, that's dope. He's a he's a brilliant guy and he kinda of like blew my mind and I did an interview with him. I don't want to give too much away, you know, because I haven't asked for permission to share this, but like I did an interview with him kind of like telling him like because I'm obviously in their target market, like how I consume content and like what my habits look like but also kind of what my uh consumption looks like in terms of like what is top of funnel what is middle of funnel and i think that that's something really interesting to think about is like for your niche for your industry like what are most of your customers buying behaviors in terms of their awareness and their consideration phases you know are they using youtube as a search engine are they using now tiktok as a search engine i think uh, first of all right before we talk about the type of content like understanding where we're actually placing the content i think is important and then understanding you know is tiktok top of funnel and is like for us i i consider tiktok very top of funnel um 85 of the sessions are on the for you page and i consider instagram very middle of funnel so instagram is is much more you know customers it's much more of a retention play the type of content that we do whether it's q a or anything like that is much more middle of funnel we also have our own editorial piece where we actually use it as middle of funnel you could use it as top of funnel seo acquisition and we're planning to do that with a, a jones road blog in the future but i think that's the first thing is understanding where you're trying to reach people in the funnel and are you trying to get new eyeballs 
what's your distribution strategy behind that and and whether that's seo and you're doing keyword research and, and ranking stuff or whether you're doing TikTok and you're trying to go viral that should be very different content than if you are trying to retain customers and trying to educate your customers on how best to use your products I love that. Ash, what's your take? So for organic, I think on, we didn't really see much growth on organic because we really started with paid, right? So I think now with channels like TikTok where we can get that organic reach, um, I think what we're kind of focusing on is putting out similar content that we're using for top of the funnel ads, but in a more or less salesy way. Right, so on TikTok, we're coming out with videos like how to use our product, right? And what is the product good for? So for example, collagen is good for this, this, and this. And then like, you will have several videos talking about, well, it's great for hair because it'll do this for your hair. Or it's great for nails because it'll do this for your nails, right? So those are probably the types of content that we're pushing organically on TikTok. And we're still trying to figure out how to like capture that audience. We haven't had any like, hits right like getting like organic reach like a lot of it outside of paid but i think that's probably the the route will go down is just educating based on what the product is now in terms of uh retention i think we do that better than acquisition like organic content for acquisition because we have like we have the videographer we have videographer video editor um, and we're basically filming content of how to use the product or like as if you already have the product, what are ways you can use it, right? So we have a whole uh, recipe series like here's you know, a recipe for overnight oats, coffee, iced coffee, this and that. So we're just constantly putting out content because the, the question for us is how else can I take this, right? Like I'm not going to just take it in almond milk 30 days out of the month. I got to like figure out ways to do it, right? So we do like eat, uh, drink, bake. Like, those types of things where it's like, all right, well, I can make pancakes, I can make a smoothie, I can make iced coffee. So I think separately, we're still trying to figure out the organic content and like how to drive revenue that way and growth for like social. But I think retention wise, a lot of our stuff we're focusing on kind of goes on YouTube, which is then repurposed on our app and then also kind of shown in the community, uh, but basically just ways on how to, how to use all the products. I have a couple questions for you guys. I'm going to start with you, Ash. Don't you guys have a podcast? And the podcast. Yeah, but it's it's more so for, I don't know, I, I guess it is more so for the community, right? It's more so just additional content that the community can um, kind of consume, talk about. Yeah, that's right. Just that's retention, though. It just yeah. seems like yeah. most of your content is, is retention focused, which is totally fine. But well, that was going to be my other question. It, though, but it isn't. I don't know. I don't know if you would call it like retention focus more so than like keeping people in the community and like just kind of because because the podcast has nothing to do with the product right at all. So in in theory, maybe by what's the podcast the called? It's called Don't Overspill. With so not like by my not like by Avi or anything. There's literally it, it, no it connection to the company. Avi. It's from the it's from the girls that are known in the yeah community, yeah yeah. Right? So yeah, yeah. You're right. So yeah. I don't know if maybe indirectly, right? You're you're kind of providing yeah. entertainment to your community, but not in a way where it's like directly product related, right? Yeah. So it's tough for me to say that 
it does help retention, but I do know that it helps with engagement within the community, which could possibly lead to higher retention, if that makes sense. Makes tons of sense. And so the other question is, you don't see those recipe creations as an acquisition mechanism? We tried. We did try. It doesn't. Um, it, like we, we used to run like uh, recipes at top of the funnel and then back when like retargeting was doing well, we would place those in like middle of the funnel. No, I'm not talking about paid. Again, again, just yeah. an organic, like you having a YouTube channel yeah. showing the like some almost like YouTube SEO where you're showing these recipes because I didn't know you could bake collagen. That's pretty cool. Like so there's all these yeah. cool things that like so I, I don't know. I see that to me anyways is a, is a bit of an acquisition vector where it's like somebody randomly stumbles on your your YouTube video. I'm sure there's a link mm -hmm. right to the site to yeah, buy it to the in the cloud. description. Yeah. No, so there's something there. I mean you could even use like Bitly or some sort of UTM to track mm -hmm. like if people are clicking through that, but. Um, that's I think thing, you're, giving your, our, you're not giving yourself candidate. enough credit. Yeah, it, it's tough because I just we don't see that reach as like as maybe Cody does, right? Like we just don't have that like that organic reach where where we'll put out the recipe. The majority of the views are our customers. It, it yeah, so that's the thing with them. that's the thing with organic is like the distribution is so much harder to come by that yeah. I think like a lot of organic on your own or I, I hate calling social channels owned, but whatever, on your own social channels is gonna be your existing customers and, you, and your followers. Like there are very few organic top of funnel distribution, right? Or you can reach way new people. TikTok is obviously one of them. And like Rob said, I do think YouTube SEO is a, yeah. another big one. Pinterest, I'm not a Pinterest expert. We, I, we don't do it, but I, I could see that maybe Pinterest could have some decent SEO and, and distribution. But I think you have to create the content with that in mind, right? You'd have to be mm -hmm. like, do some keyword research and be like, best collagen for weight loss or like weight loss smoothie recipes. And like, I'm sure those are incredibly complicated and I'm not a YouTube SEO expert, but that's kind of what you're thinking, Robbo, right? Yeah, just kind of like, I think you're not giving yourself enough credit where you're just kind of proliferating across these channels. And I think Cody hit it on the head where I think it should be channel focused first where I think YouTube would be fantastic for you guys to really just start to own the, because it's the second biggest search engine, right, behind Google proper. Um, so I think like people would go there and like how to, like the best ways to get better skin or blah, blah, blah. Like there's all these, it's a, this big question answer machine. And if you can start to uh, put some uh, resources behind that and you're posting daily, um, I think mm -hmm. it makes a ton of sense for you guys. And then also to Cody's point, I think TikTok is another big place where you could still get a lot of organic reach. I think Instagram and Facebook are pretty much dead in terms of organic reach. It's, it's pretty much a pay-to-play platform. Um, I still think you can get organic reach, but you're going to get just your followers. It's a hard part. Like distribution yeah, beyond yeah. that is, is really uh, yeah, hard. So I, I, I should probably have been more precise with my language. Incremental reach, where like mm -hmm. you're going to hit your, your followers, but you're not going to hit the trending page anymore or whatever, where you're going to get into new buckets of content. Yeah. Um, one more question, then I want to pick on you a little bit, Cody. Um, do you guys have a newsletter, Ash? Um, not in the sense of... Like, like a whale mail or something? Yeah. Why not? No, no, we don't. It's a good question. I mean, we the way that we kind of put out content on email, it's either blogs or recipes when we have them. It's not like on a, all right, every Thursday this is coming out, right? It's more so like, all right, do we have a new recipe? Do we have a new um, blog going out? Do we have a new YouTube video that we put out, right? It's not as... 
scheduled as what you would probably want, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you guys supplement that with push notifications yeah. with the app? Yeah. So anytime okay. that there's a new so recipe. there's a little bit. Yeah. So like when it. we upload a new recipe on YouTube, that goes on the app. And then we push notification, hey, new recipe for cinnamon pancakes is now available. Go check it out. Um, and then just go straight to that video. I love it. But okay, not, you're off the like horns. A consistent newsletter. Yeah. <laughs> you, we you we definitely need to work on our organic, I think. For sure. Well, I, I think for you guys, you have so much content already that you can almost do an aggregated newsletter. Um, and like if you build a cadence and a social contract with people, um, it would be something. And then you could also build in kind of like a uh, engagement question or something like that that you could build in because you just have such a big, fun community. And like if your Facebook group is that big, your email list could be 10 times as big. I mean, it, 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 yeah. for me, it's a no brainer. The okay, easiest Cody. thing you could do, hold on real quick. The easiest yeah, yeah. thing you could do, and we do this, just do a monthly wrap up. And just like, don't even call it like a, a different thing or you could call it something different and just anything that happened in your community that month. And again, you can segment this to make sure you're sending this to people who actually want it, but yeah. just monthly wrap up. Here's all of your content pieces. So we do, we do like a, what to read, what to watch, what we launched, all that kind of stuff. We get pretty strong reactions to that. No, well, and you guys have such a light, both of you guys actually have such a lifestyle bent to your products that mm -hmm. it's so easy. Like you, there's new Netflix, like Cody's saying, new stuff to watch, new stuff to read, mm -hmm. fashion, like all these fun things that you could really, here's the new look, blah, blah, blah. Okay, Cody, mm -hmm. take me through your, um, so do you guys, so you said you have a monthly newsletter, you're really strong on organic TikTok. Um, do you guys have a pretty big YouTube presence? No, we don't, we don't, we, do, we don't currently want to in the future. It's just kind of like order of priorities and resources and band bandwidth. Definitely want to definitely know it can be huge. I mean, I've done a, a decent amount of like customer research on, on this. And yeah. like, so we get a lot of press, right? And we're a lot of them are kind of like more legacy stuff, but they're obviously yeah. digitally native now or, di you know, digitally first now. And I was thinking like, all right, who are the, we, we have some really good like partnerships with some kind of some that are good for older demographics. So I was thinking like, all right, we need a millennial version of one. So I started doing some customer research and like nobody, first of all, nobody reads anymore. I, again, not nobody. I, I hate when people say those blanket things, but especially about beauty, people are not right. reading about beauty. They are. So, so two interesting things I learned they're, they're watching it's video first, right? Anybody yeah. millennial and below is all video, but also it's, it's gone decentralized. They don't care to get their information from publishers. It's all yeah. the individuals. So it's influencers. Yep. So that being said, where people are discovering new products, going to learn about them, it's, 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 you know, back then this was six months ago, I did the research, it was a lot Instagram and YouTube. Now I think it's probably a lot with TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. Yeah. Long story short, I think TikTok is untapped. I think Instagram is very competitive. I think TikTok yep. is going to become very competitive. Yep. I think not a, enough people are investing resources into YouTube. Yep. I think it's harder to do. I do think it's harder to do. I think it's less sexy, but I think again, you like you talked about, it's the second biggest search engine. You know, if anybody's interested in makeup and they see a Miracle Bomb ad, they're going to go to either Google, YouTube, or TikTok, and they're going to search Miracle Bomb review. So I think that YouTube could be an amazing platform for any brand, but especially a beauty brand. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on there. And you can build a channel into a monster pretty quickly. And you'll be surprised how uh, things compound because the algorithm starts to like you. And then you'll have a video with a million views in like over a year or something like that, where it's like it, it gets quick, it faster, happens slower than you think, and then faster than you think. Okay, Dope. why don't you guys do a newsletter? Why do you just do, why don't you do a weekly? Why do you just do a monthly? 
resources or so I said, yeah, enough? I mean, so I, well, we, we, actually, we actually do. So we have a, okay. a media site. It's called JustBobby.com, and we're trying to okay. figure out exactly what way we're going to take it. We have a multiple times a week newsletter through that, but that's separate of Jones Road. But obviously, they're 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 very intertwined. And then ours, we don't really call it a newsletter. It's just a monthly wrap up. It's just okay. like a oh, like here's what happened this month. But it's not like, like it. from a different sender or anything. But we do okay. have a completely separate newsletter. It's just much smaller of a list. What's your take on the podcast sitch? Is there ever going to be a, a time that you guys do launch your own podcast? Yes, probably. I mean, we have one. Bobby has one. It's it's currently like through iHeartRadio, so it's not directly oh, related. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so it's not super involved, but like yeah. I will use a lot of those clips on TikTok and and whatnot. Tracking. You know. Yep. So it does yep. do that. I could see a, a, a time and a place in the future where we did a podcast. Um, I think a lot of it, but though, would be like heavily video based. So I think it could be more of a, a YouTube channel, more yep. of like an educational thing. Yeah, I love it. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you guys are s spot on. Uh, ultimately, I think both of you are thinking of exactly right. Where Cody is definitely in order of operations. And then, um, Ash, I like how you have the app where there's just kind of a different property that you own and um, have those emails and stuff like that. Where, and that's, I mean, transparently to our strategy, where we're actually going to start to build a content network in terms of podcasts, where we're going to start bringing in more and more people into the Triple Well universe and then basically uh, have almost like a, a gimlet or something like that, where we just have all these kind of random podcasts that are under the Triple Well umbrella and just start getting more content in front of people because it's just, um, it can compound really quickly, but a newsletter is a heavy lift to be fair. And if you do it bad, it sucks. Um, and then YouTube does really reward um, almost like daily uploads. So I, I really take your points there. Um, okay, cool. Thank you for the question, Matthew. Let's go to the second one. Unless you guys have any other points you wanted to touch on? No, good on that. Totally agreed with everything. Cool. Uh, look at that. Everybody in agreement. We got to turn up the heat. He comes <laughs> back from the islands all calm, not even drinking that much water. What is going on? What is going on? Oh, I got it. I got it. Oh, okay, okay. And the Fiji flex. You see this guy? Uh, this uh, guy. Unbelievable. Ready? Ready? Um, oh, gosh. Don't do it. Plug your ears, people. Plug your ears. Um, okay, so this comes from Chase Masani. I hope I pronounced your name. He's actually been coming up on my feet a lot. He's a really bright guy. I have to talk to him some more. I don't have any clue who he is, and he's uh, really hip to it. Um, but he says, help people with economics that they need as a foundation to grow. So let's keep this kind of like a 101, but how do you guys look at your economics? Question for you guys. You, okay, Question yeah, for you guys. What do yep. you think of MER? Do you think MER is useless or not? Oh, I think it's super useful. But again, I don't think one metric is the end all be all. I think if you look at one metric, you're already lo losing. Like there needs to be a mm -hmm. constellation of metrics that you're using to get to synthesize into how the business is doing. For sure. I've seen somebody, won't name who, on Twitter recently talk about MER being useless. So just wanted to throw out there, be, be a little of bit course. spicy, but of I couldn't course. agree with more. I, I don't see how MER is useless by any means. I think it can be useless if that's your only number you're looking at. But I, yeah. I hate the, the one, right? A North Star metric. Like, why should there be one? You know, net, fine, net, net profits. Right? Net profits in North Star. Yeah. Like, if you so need, like if you need one. Like if, if you're using it, are you using it for paid? Are you using it for like, are you trying to understand how your business is doing overall? Like it, it's so context heavy that you can't even say absolutely that it's useless, you know? It's obviously- Very absolutely. Uh -huh. Exactly. Take. I just had to start that. All right, so Ash, what are the few 
what are the financial KPIs that you look at on a weekly or monthly basis? I think because it was kind of a broad question. I wonder if that'll help narrow narrow it down. Yeah, that's a good good way to do it. Okay, so I think on a paid side, constantly looking at the NCPA um, and new customer, new customer acquisition cost and average order value, right? So. The reason, obviously, NCPA, we're, we're looking at to see if, as we're growing and we're scaling, if we are acquiring at, an, at let's, say, let's just say our target CPA is $45, right? If we can continue keeping that number while scaling, the financial model that we've built out, right, based off of the last three years worth of data, tells us that we can continue to you know, pump money into advertising and eventually make that money back, right? Now, that has to also be paired with AOV, right? So, for example, if on our landing pages we get a little bit more aggressive with discounting or free gifts and this and that, and AOV drops, but volume increases, right? Can we still support that $45 CPA if our AOV is at, if it's coming down or if it's higher, right? So those are the two things that we kind of look at on a paid side. Um, Cody, I know you guys have done like a, a little bit of um, a study on LTV based on AOV, right? And we've kind of done the same things. We, we know kind of where our numbers are at, where like if consumers are falling between that 50 to 60 range, their LTV is predicted to be this versus if it's at 70, it's predicted to be this. Um, so we kind of like play around with that when we're, when we're designing landing pages or even offers on those landing pages. Um, two, I think, I know you said weekly, but we also look at uh, return rate on a monthly cadence. So are okay. we, you know, if, if, for example, now we're acquiring pretty heavily on TikTok, are we getting more or less returns? So, you know, if, if our return rate is under, I believe, 1%, which it has been super strong you know, consistently for the last three years, then we're, we're okay with the, the quality of the users that are coming in. I'm interested to see what it, if it at all changes at all with the addition of TikTok, um, just because I've seen a lot of people talk about how like the quality of the users may be less or maybe may the same, I don't know, but we'll find out in the next you know, 60, 90 days. Um, so monitoring those numbers I think is, is super crucial. And then honestly like, on the, more on the finance end, which I'm not really too involved with, but I know that cash flow, like literally that cycle, like, you know, we have a lot of net terms with literally everybody that we, yeah. we use, you know, man, from yeah. manufacturers to even Facebook, right? Having those net terms in place is super crucial because then it's like, you know that you can continue to spend, bring in the cash. And if you're on that positive cash flow cycle, which I mean, again, I, like I'm not privy to those those conversations as much because I'm more on the marketing side. Um, as long as Ron's like, all right, we're on a positive cash flow cycle, we're good to go, right? So big Ron. Those, yeah, exactly. So I, I think those are the the few things where NCPA, AOV, and then thirty to sixty days out, probably return rate, so that I can get a gauge on are these customers decent enough to be going in those channels, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love for those. sure, for sure. I'll, I'll chime in there. So yeah, definitely similar. I mean, I do think MER is important. I think 
if our MER was we were spending 100% of our revenue on ads, I would be worried, right? So taken to the extreme, <laughs> it, it clearly tells you something, right? If we were spending 5% of our revenue on ads, I would say there's room, room to grow and scale. There's probably a decently healthy correlation between MER and, and net profit margins. So I, I do think 100%. it's important. It's it's not the only thing. It shouldn't be the only like a good MER doesn't mean you should spend more. A bad MER doesn't mean that that you you know that you yeah, are spending too much. Exactly. However, it is one metric that can just kind of help guide you in the direction and show you the profitability. So I look at MER daily, hourly to almost. Be right. Fair, I do want to chime in one thing. Um, when we were when we were like struggling a little bit back in like October, right? Um, our finance team, which kind of has changed now, but prior to that change, they were telling us to look at MER, right? So if we were at like, we could only scale if we were at like 30% of um, uh, revenue, right? So for me, it's like, okay, well, if I'm spending 20K, like, am I, am I supposed to get like 60K in revenue back? Like, to get to that point, it's very difficult. And then when we weren't hitting those numbers, because one, I wasn't creative testing at all. I wasn't like doing shit on any of that, right? Landing pages, like conversion rates were dropping. I had no idea what to do at that point. Um, and it's like, okay, well now we got to keep cutting the budget, cut the budget. And we were like down to like five, $10,000 to spend a day. And just to hit that, like that ratio, but like it hurt us in the long run because we weren't acquiring enough customers to make up, you know, revenue for that lifetime value. So when we kind of changed up the strategy and we weren't really looking at MER, but more so on an NCPA base, the financial model started to work out in our favor as we spent more. And we were may not, we weren't like following the ratio of MER. We were like slightly higher, right? Like we were like 50% instead of like 30% at like 10K a day, but we were like 50% at like 20K a day. And it's like, yeah, you break even, but the financial model makes sense. We're in a positive cash flow cycle. We're moving inventory and like things are kind of pumping. Then you start to see these other things pick up like vitamin shop, Rite Aid, all these other external factors that you don't want to see day to day start to pick up more outside of just online D to C. So two, two sides to the coin there, I feel. Could I jump in before you keep going? Cody? Yeah, go ahead. I'm itching for it. So what's mm -hmm. happening there is when you're using new customer CPA, you're only measuring incremental lift. With MER, you're getting everything. And so that's why we have like the three rows to rule them all. And so the MER wasn't necessarily a bad projection. It was just that you were looking at your whole marketing ecosystem. Whereas when you went to your finance people and you said, hey, forget about all the money the marketing ecosystem is making. How much can I pay for a new customer? And I know they're going to be worth, say, $100 in six months, and then they can give you more budget, and then you can do that. So I don't think either of you guys are wrong. It was just using um, a different way to look at how you're going to measure incremental lift because MER does include everything. And so if you're not using MER with, in conjunction with NC ROAS or an NC CPA, you're, you're going to get kind of lost in that because what can happen is you're just going to, uh, you know, you could be um, just activating a bunch of old people in your ecosystem already and your MER is going to look great and then it's yeah. going to fall off a cliff because there's going to be an LTV ceiling that you're going to hit. But um, so I think that's really, really smart in what you did there. And I love that you have that. And I would say be careful using an NCCPA unless you have kind of a mature business like you guys have where you know you have a pretty good uh, peg on what your LTV is going to yeah. be. Because if not, it can get really weird because if you don't hit those LTVs, then 
your whole financial model kind of falls apart. I think it, okay. it like you said, it depends on the stage of the business, right? Like if yep. you're on growth mode, like NCPA for sure. If you're on profitability mode, MER will tell you, like, all right, if I'm at 30%, I know I'm profitable. So I think those those two are, it, like you said, it, it's the stage of the business as well. Because in the beginning, we were like, we have to be at 3X to be profitable. And that's what we did. But now it's like, we have other things going on where like retail needs marketing support. So like, all right, let's just continue to spend. And if we can break even, we'll break even on DC. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Cody, it's yours. Yeah, all, all MER tells you is the percentage of your revenue that you're spending on ads today. And, and everyone can use that information to kind of choose a story that, you know, it's going to tell for their business. And yeah, I think if you have a sophisticated financial model, which, you know, you should have at your scale, then you can make more informed, calculated decisions about future growth projections and assumptions, which is what you guys did. You know, I still think you could probably pair it up and project and know that like, all right, to, if we're going to be at it, you know, you probably still used MER today when you're looking at your NCPA model. You're just MER today changed based off your model. And instead of having to be at, you know, 30%, you were like, all right, we'll run to 40, 50% because of this model. But I think like they're very similar. I think it's just understanding what they're telling you. But totally agree there. I don't want to be a dead horse. Um, but I do look at that. I look at um, net cash increases, right? So I kind of just look at like the, what, what our finance team kind of sends over every week. And part, partly it's not something that I'm necessarily acting upon. Like I like to look at our accounts payable. I like to look at our accounts receivable. Um, I, you know, just to understand what we have coming in, what we have due, looking at net cash increase for a period, just, just to understand, all right, we had a great sales week this week. Like, how is that affecting our cash? How is that affecting our cash conversion cycle? Knowing that an increase in revenue is not always in, increasing and just kind of just, again, it's not a scientific thing, but just looking at all these variables that I see fluctuating within our marketing side and then understanding how that's affecting our, our cash position at our company. And not that everybody has to be an expert at it. I'm certainly not an expert, but I do think if you're a media buyer or you're ahead of growth, you should have a decently strong relationship with your, with your finance team and, and just understand what the variables are going to be. At the very least, you know, be given a number from your CFO, from your finance team of this is what you can afford to spend to acquire a customer like, like Ron did for Ash. Like, I think that's super important. Yeah, I, I echo all of that. And ultimately, so like from when I was running paid, I basically I would look at my MER. So I think of, th think of it in three lenses. So effectiveness, efficiency, and profits. Um, and so the effectiveness is my MER. How effective are my ad dollars? How efficient are my ad dollars is my NC ROAS. Um, I didn't really work with really mature businesses. These are two, three-year-old businesses that I was working with. So I was really nervous to use LTV. So I really wanted to have that NC ROAS. How much is my new customer? My, how much are my ad dollars driving new customer revenues? And then I would look at uh, the POAS, so my gross profit divided by ad spend. And I actually had a client where we're really, really tight, where uh, I, I never worked off a percent ad spend. I'd always kind of basically just partner with the company. And um, we actually use net profit as a numerator. So I could tell him we were driving, for every ad dollar, we were driving $2 or $3 in actual net profit for the, the company. And so I found those really helpful. And then obviously the three business metrics I would look at would be proper revenue, um, net margin, net profit, which are same, same, but different. One's just a percentage and one's an absolute. 
But I love the way you guys are thinking of it. I think that's absolutely right. And to Cody's point, I don't think anybody needs to be like a CPA here or anything like that. But if you are spending money, you should understand some semblance of the economics of the business, whether it's, um, to Ash's point, a new customer CPA target, or to Cody's point, you could have an MER target where you say, hey, Raba, if you, if you make $100,000, you can spend $10,000. Now you know your MER has to be at 10. And if it's below 10, then you need to pull back spend or launch a new creative. If it's over 10, it's cocaine and champagne, and you can scale up. And it's a pretty easy way to pace um, your budget that way. But if you don't have acquisition targets, you can just kind of get caught with your pants down, I think, sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I think definitely knowing knowing your, your CPA targets based on your contribution margin is probably like the, the most important thing, you know? That, I think that's number one. If, if you don't know that, like that would be like somebody's listening and they're just starting, like understanding what your CPA targets are based on your contribution is like step one because it's really hard to buy media. And like when I started as a media buyer, I was like, what's a good ROAS? And you see all these screenshots of people getting a four and a five and a six. I'm like, shit, I'm getting like a three. Am I bad? And it's like, no, this is fucking great. You just have to understand like every business is going to be different based on your margins, based on your LTV. Based on the operating cash, this is why I think for a bootstrap business that's not in hyper growth, that we're trying to be profitable now, this is why I think MER is important because organic traffic, number one, it, it lowers your blended CAC, which is much more important than any what any platform tells you, but also that provides the operating cash flow to then support growth. 100%. And so I do think that understanding those numbers is like step one, super important. Yeah. And like Ash said, context. I mean... Uh, are you trying to be profitable or are you trying to grow? Those are two totally separate goals that have two totally separate metrics. And uh, yeah, I, I love it. Um, yeah, totally. Cool. I could nerd out some more, but let, let's be good boys. Okay. My client has, pro this is from Elevated Alexander. My clients have good products, but struggle to get picture and video reviews. Best apps and strategies would be great. I like a Kendo for app reviews or for reviews, but I don't know any... Maybe type form video reviews. Do you guys? How do you guys solicit um, video or picture reviews? Well, Kendo does picture reviews, but I don't know. How, how do you solicit video reviews? Video, honestly. Is he talking like video UGC? No, no, no. Like a proper video like review. Like I, I, I bought the product. Review, you, you, you love the product. And then, is there any apps or strategies that you guys use to get kind of uh, video reviews? It's a good question. Video has been tough. tough. I don't think we've. I don't think we focus on video. I, uh, images we have. Um, our reward. I mean, our reviews are linked to our rewards program. So if you leave, um, if you leave a review, it's X amount of points. But if you leave a photo or a video, it's even more. So oh, that's there's cool. There's like some incentive there to actually leave it. But I think the majority of people just leave a, a photo. To be honest. Um, but then also a lot of people will tend to leave images in the art community instead of on the website because they want to join the conversation that's happening. Tracking. So I don't know if people do both as much, um, but it's there. I mean, if it incentivizes somebody to leave a photo, great. But I think a lot of it happens in the community too. So Elevate Alexander, start a community. What's your review app you, or reward? Smile or what do you use? Uh, Yapo. Yapo. Oh my gosh, you just gonna set it on fire. I know. Just, don't let Moise hear that. 
<laughs> I love it. Uh, Cody, what about you? Do you guys solicit any kind of video reviews or anything like that? No, we we don't. I mean, even like for photo, like we don't we don't like we like to curate our PDPs, so we don't really show photos. So, no. so uh, we use Junip. Um, you, I know you can use you know photos. I, I have seen that a lot of customers will submit photos if you can. Video reviews. There's a few things. I mean, we don't we really don't do it do it anywhere. Most of our UGC is really pay to play. I think that's you know most people's UGC, but there are a few apps. I mean, there's, um, archive app. It's, it's a Shopify app. Uh, they got backed by Stripe and that'll kind of like archive anything that you've been tagged in. So if, if people oh, are cool. tagging and, and leaving reviews on Instagram, TikTok, that's a good one. And then hope I can say this and I'm an investor in an app bounty and they're, uh, what they'll do is they'll kind of give a bounty. So they'll like pay customers and customers will get rewarded to post on, I think right now it's TikTok. They'll do other platforms. I think they're still in beta, but that's a that's a pretty cool one that that can kind of get you some, you know, some UGC of people kind of talking about the products. Um, and then obviously, you know, the 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 big elephant in the room of UGC is most UGC is not really UGC. It's paid content creators. So um, if you really want like a video testimonial for an ad, find a content creator, pay them, and uh, and tell them to talk about your product. I love it. Fantastic answers. So Elevated Alexander, sorry we didn't have any more explicit stuff, but there's some good stuff in there, so re-listen to that. Um, this one comes from Brad Plock. Uh, merchandising, when to add more SKUs, offer creation, cash flow management. Um, I guess it's three different questions. When do you guys think about adding more SKUs? So for us, when we started, we had two SKUs, right, two flavors. Um, I think when people started to, when we saw like the community start to grow a little bit, people were more active, we saw retention kind of kick in. I think this is like from the start of your business. Once you start to see that retention kind of kick in, then I think it's time for you to start thinking about maybe an expansion, like maybe a new yep. flavor or a new product. Um, and then as we saw the effectiveness of that, when we dropped a new flavor, it got a lot more people to come back um then we're like okay well we got to go to the next flavor and we kind of spread that out over a couple months and then as we were growing rapidly we did two launches a month last year um and that really came from like every time we launched something the amount of cash that it would bring in was insane so if that kept happening it didn't make sense to not do it for the following month right and then obviously there's diminishing returns but you also have to keep up with like I think we saw diminishing returns when we started to see our acquisition go down, naturally, right? So now when our acquisitions start picking up, like now in January, February, um, we started picking up on releases again. So we launched new gummies, we launched uh, a new flavor for our Entenmann's collaboration. And then you start to see that like kind of grow. So I think to answer the question is, if your acquisition is growing, then I think you can follow it up with uh, some new expansions and, and new products or new, um, uh, right, I already said new flavors, right? So I think as your acquisition grows, then you can keep going, but not until that part starts to happen. And you start to see some type of retention, um, yeah. for sure. I love that. What about you, Cody? Yeah, I, I hesitate to say too much because I'm so not involved in in, the, in this, but we do launch a lot. I mean, if anything, I think, right, it's all about 
resources and bandwidth and and that can be it's about resources that can be bandwidth in terms of team and one of the problems for us because we're new and like you know makeup companies have a, a decent amount of SKUs usually is that takes away from time to be devoted to evergreen strategies so i think that's one con but obviously as ash talked about there's incredible pros of of launches and it definitely is great for retention it's great for press and and earned media and stuff like that um but you have to understand and you have to run a model and understand what it's going to cost for product development what it's going to cost for freight and all that stuff and and project that against the potential revenue increase that you're going to get but and i so it just it totally depends but i, I do think it for most brands, it should be part of their growth and retention strategies, right? We talk about it. Most most business growth is going to come from outside of the ad account, and that's something where you can get a good a good peak and a good spike in in revenue and retention from doing something that's outside of your ad account that that will actually affect your ad account in, in a positive way. I, love I, that. I forgot to mention one thing. Um, because you, you actually just mentioned it. Um, when we were doing these launches, right, a lot of these were flavor expansions that were limited edition. So it wasn't like we would launch and then keep them throughout, right? Because that would have been way too insane, right? Like Cody said, yeah. is adding an additional skew going to either add incremental revenue or is it just going to kind of divide it across whatever you have, right? So for us, it was just limited edition, drop it in like two, three weeks, it would sell out and then on to the next. So it wasn't like we had to 4K it forecast um, getting more inventory of those those flavors. Uh, but there were products that were supplementary to the business, right? Like the multivitamin, sleep product, weight loss, et cetera, et cetera, that there have been products that we had to cut because they didn't um, add incremental. So like we had a, a vegan collagen booster, which we dropped and it did okay, but like it was really just a pain in the ass to kind of keep around because one, it wasn't adding incremental and then the revenue that it did bring in was like so minor. It was like, all right, well, we just have to kind of, just, you know, kill it and move on. So, yeah, that, that makes sense that you have to kind of forecast it out and see if it's bringing incremental. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, just do limited edition drops and you kind of just cash play it, you know? Supreme style, the, let's go. Yeah, the other thing I know, part of that question was about offers. I definitely think offers is is huge. One thing we had a you know something last week. Essentially, we have a feature. So there's a lot of like bundling apps. Ours is custom coded, but we Stop have like me. we have like custom sets. So people can. What'll happen is it looks like a set on the front end. It's actually there's some there's a script and it's actually fulfilled from our through PL as individual products. Yep. But that allows us to super easily. We don't have to pay a, a, a you know an extra kidding fee, but we also don't have to actually put any R and D into new products. But we're able to generate buzz and momentum and and get you know just get people excited about something without doing a new product. So if you have a business where you can do that. That's a really good strategy where you're able to do seasonal stuff around some type of a, a kit or a bundle. Yeah, Cuts does this as well. Um, okay. Really yeah. Good job of the business kit, and you can add a top, a, 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 mm. a top, a bottom, and a, a thing. Anyways, but yeah, I think bundling is a really good call and offer creation. But Cody, I'm surprised you didn't say this because this is your actually two weeks, so this is your thing. Um, launching a new SKU to change the economics of your business. Um, that is a really your baby mascara. Oh, oh, okay. I was like, well, and that's like, a brilliant. It's a brilliant move if you can do that because now you're playing a totally different game where you're literally going to change the economics of your business now. And now this mascara could possibly drive up the LTV or the AOV of the cart. And then that's a, that's definitely worthwhile if you see there's a, a place in that. 
Um, so I think the bundling and then changing the economics is something that wow. you guys didn't touch on, but everything else is brilliant. I love and then it. GWPs as well. I mean, uh, you know, just going back a few episodes, our plan with that mini mascara is with the GWP. So that's an incredible offer. The reason I love, right, we, we don't discount at all. Gift is what he's yeah. talking about, guys. My bad, my bad. But we don't we don't like to run discounts, right? So we, yep. I think if you don't want to run discounts, you have to be thinking about ways to create moments and and create some urgency or scarcity. And what Ash talked about is limited edition stuff. We do a lot of that. Ash does as well. Bundles, yes, there's a discount, but I think you preserve more brand equity by if that's the only way to get the discount versus actually calling it a discount. Yep. And then same with a gift with purchase. Technically, yes, there's a margin hit in terms of there is a discount on if you were to sell it at cost, but it doesn't feel the same to a customer. Yeah, and just to nail that home even more, we used to, when I was running my agency, that's exactly what we do is we would find really high margin semi-ticket items, something that costs 20, 25 bucks, but it cost us like five bucks in terms of COGS, and then you just uh, bundle it up. And so you, if you spend X amount of dollars, here's this free hat, or here's this free thing that looks like you're getting $20 or $25 for free, but in terms of business, it's $5 COGS, $7 COGS. We had this, uh, it was a beard company, had this little massager that was like 12 bucks or whatever. It was just like one of those little plastic massages. It was literally 70 cents. I mean, it was just a no-brainer to add that on where the perceived value was $12, $15, and we're taking a 70-cent hit on COGS all day, twice on Sundays. Arbitrage. Uh, yeah, exactly. We won't get too much in the cash flow management. Just what Ash is talking about, the fancy term for it is the cash conversion cycle. Just go look that up. There's tons of YouTube videos on it. Uh, it can get kind of nerdy, and people get uh, the Yeah, dude, search over. like how search like Gymshark cash oh, conversion cycle. It's negative. Have you guys heard that one? It's negative. Yeah, yeah. Like, but there's a really like, good article on them. Have you nuts. guys read that one? Like a I, J I, something. Uh, uh, I'll see if I can find it. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm pretty privy to uh, it's nuts. Basically, they get paid to grow. It, it's incredible. They have a 180 <laughs> net 180. Anyways, again, it'll get nerdy for a bunch of people. But um, like Cody said, look up Jim Sharks. You're never going to get there. But if you can get there, it's incredible. Um, if you can get a ne negative net conversion cycle or cash conversion cycle, it's that is as the path as it comes. Um, let's grab a couple more because I know we're bumping up against it. Uh, Cody, you don't have a subscription service yet, but maybe you can still riff on it. Can you? This is from Bobby Callahan. Can you talk about subscription DTC, the pros and the cons, and how being a subscription brand changes the lens in which you look at key metrics? And then Rhea, or Maribel is her handle, um, bumped it as well. So Ash, you guys do have a sub service, right? We do. Um, so it, it's tough because I, it's not a majority of our, of our sales. We've tried. Um, like right now, if you go to the website and try to buy something, it's automatically on subscription. Yep. But funny enough is that it's not a majority of the sales, right? It's like it's still like 5% if that. Um, yep. I think it comes down to, so what we're trying to do is with our new brand that we launched, uh, Paw Rangers, so we launched last week, like soft launch in our community, um, you know, from the founders of Avi, here's uh, supplements for your pets. We're doing subscription only. And we want to see how that model does because I think a lot of other pet companies that like even food, right, it's subscription only. Uh, for me, I have a dog, like I've been on this food subscription for the last two years, I haven't even thought about it, right? So I think we're going to try it for the pets um, my theory is that if you can acquire and see how your churn rate ends up being in like maybe five to six months, 
then it, it's a different way of looking at LTV, right? Because it's like people are probably going to be locked in and you can probably figure out what you're willing to spend knowing that your churn rate is X amount after like six months to a year, right? So it's definitely a model that a lot of companies are trying to do, but few are very successful at. Um, and if you can, I know that like if you're trying to like, you know, raise money or exit, whatever it is, subscription is such a huge thing that people want to see. Um, I don't know, like we don't do it well for Obby because I think we also, because we did a lot of product launches, people don't want to be locked into a subscription because we're a good dropping something new, right? Um, but hoping maybe this year we can figure it out um, just through email and, you know, post-purchase, get people back on. But the initial order, it's very tough to get people to lock in on a subscription. But if you can, it's it's massive. Cody, you got to get people the uh, free mascara. Get the Miracle Bomb subscription. You get a, a your free free mini mascara. Let's go. Give the people yeah, what I mean, they need. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's I'm not the biggest fan for us for beauty uh, for a sure. few reasons, but I think you have um, different replenishment cycles for different products, and they're really so not one. they're so not regular. I think for skincare, um, there's a little bit more of a regular subscription cycle, so you see it a lot more in skincare. You know, in in like grooming stuff. But but makeup is is everybody's on a different one and there really is none. So I don't That's love it for cool. us. However, for for a lot of industries, I love it for skincare, for you know like like shampoo, for again like athletic greens, for Olipop, so for food and bev, for supplements. I, I I love it, especially if it's like here's a thirty day supply. It just makes sense. I think the things to think about is first of all, if you I've tested this. I don't know if this is universally true, but for other businesses. Defaulting, I, we did a split test and defaulting to subscriptions versus not, our, our add to cart rate and our CPA went actually way down when we auto kind of forced subscription. Um, and you just have to make that decision. Are you willing to take a higher CPA to push more people into subscription? Or would you rather not push into subscription on first order? Because again, some people have the theory of they're not really a loyal customer until two to three purchases. Why would anybody want to subscribe to you if they've only got it in the first time? You know. Yeah. So again, every business is different. There's no right or wrong. But but I think I think they can obviously work. You know, retention is the name of the game. Um, but you just got to figure out what's best and and how you want to go about it from a customer experience perspective. Don't do what like I ordered these like Viome supplements. Don't do what they do and like force people into subscriptions without knowing. Don't yep. let them not cancel. Allow yep. people to pause. Allow people to cancel. Don't be scammy about it. Um, but it, 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 it can definitely work. It just I think depends what industry you're in and if it's a natural fit. If if don't try to force it. I think if if it's not a right fit and figure out other retention plays. Yeah, I think that's brilliantly put. I love to don't lock people in, Ash, because then, uh, you know, it's going to be weird. And then, Cody, the replenishment cycle is super on board where um, you don't want people just having stacks and stacks of toothpaste and stuff at their house or whatever. Like, it has to be the right replenishment cycle. And um, also, don't do any black hat strategies. Zero, zero percent. That's a horrible yeah, idea. Um, boys, we did it. We got through most of the questions. Um, if you guys want to send in more questions, um, just tag me, Ash, or Cody, and we'll do another one of these in a few more episodes. But uh, Cody, let the people know, oh, I'm going to come join you on Mentor Pass. It'll be fun. Oh, you're it's on there? Awesome. Dope. Yeah, I'm coming awesome. on. Yeah, people will be able to uh, come yell at me. And then, we're trying, so I'm trying to get Ash on there as well. Oh, let's go. 
The whole ad spend crew. Come on. Let's go, guys. Uh, Cody, tell the people where to follow you. How can they get more involved with Jones? Um, tell them about Mentor Pass, your newsletter. You got all the stuff. Yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Cody Plough. That's kind of the hub of everything. Um, hopefully, by this time, I didn't do it last week, but CodyPlough.com is live. You can kind of just check out some, some of my work, some of the stuff I've been featured in. And then if you want to book some time with me, Mentor, Mentor Pass is the place to do it. And then also, yeah, subscribe subscribe to my newsletter, which you can find at my Twitter or at CodyPlofker.com. And you just got uh, had a call with Amanda Goats. How are you plugged into every single person on the planet? You're, you're just, just the most connected man on the planet. I love it. Just trying trying to give value, trying to give value. I'm, I'm an investor in House of Wise. But try, uh, trying how to, did you try get to, I didn't even – let me know mm, next time you're raising Amanda. Uh, Come on. <laughs> Ash, let the people know what's up. Tell them how they can get involved in my Avi. What are you, what are uh, you doing over there? Yeah, follow me on Twitter, Ashwin Milwani. Um, you want some collagen in your life, so I'm seriously <laughs> with collagen. MyAvi.com. We just got it to Vitamin Shop. If there is one near you, please go to the shop, take a picture, and tweet me. It'd be sick. Um, but other than that, yeah, that's, that's it. Also, Cody, congrats on 15K, Twitter. Right. Thanks, man. Are you serious? I, thank you. I couldn't care less, but thank you. <laughs> I, I'm trying to, you know, everyone gets to a point where they probably care about follower count too much, and now I'm like, I don't even fucking care. I just want to hit 10K and then. Um, uh, yeah, just, yeah. We'll, we'll get you there. I just don't want the brand account to beat me. I'm getting crushed. <laughs> Triple Whale's not good. not good. They're about to catch me. Fuck. Um, all right, guys, if you want to get more involved with Triple Whale, it is trytriplewhale.com. We're also on the Bird app, at Triple Whale. I'm on the Bird app. Go follow me so I don't get caught up by Triple Whale. Um, and then we'll also, all three, be in uh, Miami, Miami in a couple or in a month, actually, a little less than a month um, for a geek out. I think there's a few more tickets left, so if you can go, you can go to geek out. Uh, actually, I don't know when this is going to drop, but anyways, go to geek out if you want. Shaq is an amazing human. It's one of the best DTC conferences. If you can't make it to Miami, go to another one. It's awesome. Um, boys, it felt good to be back again. It's uh, awesome. Thanks for all the so love nice. on Twitter. It's It's been fantastic. We really appreciate it. We love all the threads. We love all the tweets. Um, it's been amazing. Cody, it's great to have you back. Ash, Thank I'm, you. I'm a little disappointed. You, you went you went all black on me. You didn't do your little fancy Al shirt. Well, what, what happened? O OVO won't sponsor him, so he's holding I out. Mean, I'm trying. I'm so I'm trying to get sponsored. Here, here we go, boys. I got the shirt. Come on, Liquid Death. Let's go. Throw us some water, please. Um, as always, people, thanks so much. Much love all the time. And uh, that's it. That's number nine in the books. Thanks, everybody.